Hey, Space Watchers! This is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, cool people, and real conferences. My name is Kiara Monter. I'm the event coordinator in our Space Watch Global team. End of January this year, I was able to attend the 14th European Space Conference in Brussels. The day before the conference started, I had the honor to visit Niklas Ninas, a German politician who has been serving as a member of the European Parliament at the Parliament itself. Together, we talked about the need for space sustainability, space strategies, and the possibility of a new space legislation. Thank you so much, Niklas, for joining us for this Space Cafe Radio. I heard that you recently became a member of a working group on space. Could you give us a bit more insight onto what that entails and what your roles and responsibilities are? Well, as you know, we have different committees in the European Parliament and each of these committees have different responsibilities. And the committee responsible for space endeavors is, in fact, the ITRA committee, the Industrial and Research Committee. That's what ITRA stands for. I think Industry, Technology and Research And we have in there just a small group of people currently uh, interested or, or mainly interested in space. And of course, one of them. So it's not like there's a working group yet, because mm -hmm. of course, with all the proposals coming, probably coming this year uh, from the Commission Cyprus also, we have a study commissioned with the committee and we'll probably have a more or less fixed core team of people, of MEPs working really on this. And I'm very happy to be really officially part of this because I've done everything so far only on a out-of-committee work level. And now I can be in the forefront of it. It's really nice. That sounds great. And with this core team, what are the, the plans or the next steps that you see for the coming year or for the coming couple of years? Yeah, first of all, on the 9th of uh, February, we will have the proposals from the commissions. One will be a proposal for a mega constellation, the Secure Connectivity Initiative, and the other one will be probably just a communication on space traffic management and how to regulate that in future, because we have this problem in Europe where the competences for everything related to spacefaring is outside of the treaty, and it's not with the EU that is useful 20 years ago, it was useful 20 years ago when those documents were written, but now where we have a new dimension, I think it's also good to think about a new approach towards this. So we will also go in this direction to propose something how a regulation on the European level could look like. Mm -hmm. This will not be a direct proposal from the Commission, but it will be an initiative from my side. And then we know, of course, the ESA and Ministerial Council will be held also in February in, in Toulouse. We'll have uh, discussions on the Council level for uh, space on how to continue, especially with this STM communication and what the conclusions are about this. And then, of course, we will have the study that is commissioned from the ITRA committee that will also talk about what regulations could be needed for the future and so on. So I think especially this first half year will be full of proposals and of very fresh new ideas what could go on technically in regulation, in regards to regulation, and also in regards to leg legislation. Mm -hmm. So there will be a lot of starting, and then hopefully the second half of the year will be then the working method, where we'll also try to finish a lot of things, because of course all these matters need to be finished quite quickly. Okay, so it sounds like quite a lot of work, but very exciting stuff. And can you tell me a bit more about the other people in this in this core team as well? Is it a lot of people who come with a passion for space who are now working closely on this? We will have to see. I mean, there's. Uh, it depends on on the on the members. 
uh, as you might know, there's this also a, sp a sky and space intergroup. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what it's called, which is initiated by uh, Mr. Murashan, who is in fact an engineer for aeronautics and rocket scientists, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so he studied that in a mm -hmm. former life and is very interested in this. There's a few other members of parliament from conservative groups, also from the Social Democrats, that are interested in it. I uh, will have to see who in the end is really working on the files mm -hmm. um, and who's who's so interested to continue to work on this. But this will evolve probably around February. Okay, well, definitely very curious about the developments there. Now, moving on in terms of EU regulations and strategies, we've seen the EU space strategy. How does this compare for you to the national strategies? And do you think there is going to be collaboration or harmonization or not so much? We have to see that the EU space strategy is more on the idea of what, how can we use and how can we work together with ESA, how can we use the current systems that we have and how to accelerate also industry and economy. Where it really lags behind is in the foreign affairs, for example. Mm -hmm. And this is something where the competences lay and also the bigger regulation and the need for bigger regulation. The competences for those two, two things really lay with the member states. However, we have to ask the question whether it's so smart to have it laid down with the member states. We all know that there's a long discussion in the European Union concerning the comprehensiveness of foreign policy and to ensure that in foreign policy and in security policy, we always speak with one voice, which is not always true because it's very difficult situations, but we all want an easier foreign approach. And so in this regard, it could also be true and could be wise uh, and I think it is very wise to, to work on this front together and then also on, on how to secure the infrastructure that we have against different threats. May it be the debris problem or also solar uh, storms or as well as warfare methods. Where I'm really afraid that people are, you know, we saw this with multiple mem members of the United Nations shooting down their own satellites mm -hmm. to just prove that they can. And I'm afraid that this trend will continue and that they don't realize that this could really end everyone's endeavors in space because too much destruction means too much debris, means means more destruction for everyone. And in the end, we'll all, all just lose. So we need a real diplomacy of peace in space to ensure that we can use it for the next uh, years as well. Indeed, yeah. So if I understand you correctly, you do see that there's quite a need for a common space strategy in order to get everyone on the same page? Absolutely. I think we need it very badly, which is true for multiple aspects. It is true for the format of private entities, how to ensure that with questions of liability, with questions of how starts are registered, how frequencies are distributed and all of this, we need a better regulation and a coherent regulation that makes it sure for every private citizens um, who want to start a new space company, for example, that they have clarity on how to act throughout all over Europe, that you can work together throughout the borders without having question, okay, do I then have to follow different rules if I'm working together with a company from Luxembourg or from the Netherlands or, or from Poland or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Then on the other hand, on the international level, we have to ensure safety and defense of the infrastructure. Again, with defense not meant as... Uh, we need to shoot down other stuff, but really ensure that, that there's no threat for the infrastructure as a whole. And for that, we need also international rules, I believe, on how to continue with, for example, mining. This is not yet a topic because it's technically not feasible at the moment. However, it will be in the future and we really have to think about 
how we treat that and if, for example, the proposal from the Americans that has been proposed within the Artemis Accords is the way forward. I doubt that. I think that we can have better alternative solutions in which we as Europeans can really set a dent and can really show uh, in which direction we want the world to go with this. And for that, we need a common strategy and we need to, we need to do it together. It's really important. Now, a bit of a hypothetical, because we're talking about setting rules and regulations on a common standard, looking at governance arrangements and how to set this up. How do you see this, in, in your opinion, who should decide on these matters? Because, of course, you have some, some states and some companies that hold a lot more power when it comes to space. But should it be space for all? The power always derives from the people, I believe. Mm -hmm. This is the democratic principle that we stand for. And therefore, it cannot be that first comes, first served. So we can have Wild West situation where just you go into space, you set your claim, you extract whatever you want and you leave and, and you can set the rules. No, this is not a dictatorship in space, nor is it feudalism in space. What we need is democracy. And for this democracy, we, of course, have to all work together. First of all, this means if we talk about the, the private starts, Uh, from European, if we want to continue to, in, to improve European economy, then of course we should all decide it together in the co-legislation co procedure that we know of Europe because it includes the parliament as the representative of the people and the council as the representative of the governments. And I think that is a good start. As a federalist, I really appreciate if we would have a stronger uh, say for the parliament because again, they are the direct representative of the people instead of indirectly representative of them. Um, but that is for now sufficient. For the international legislation, I believe that we need international binding law. And currently the only international binding law we have is the Outer Space Treaty. The other ones are, or, well, I mean, there's the Rescue Accord. Everybody agree, agrees with that and with, with other stuff as well. But the big question is especially concerning Artemis Accords versus, I'd say, the, the Moon Treaty. And I think that we need to look at the Moon Treaty and see yeah, until now it has been failed, but it doesn't mean it has to be failed forever. Because, of course, it, we deem it as to have failed because it only has 17 signatures. Mm -hmm. The Artemis Courts, I think, have currently 15, but still less than the Moon Treaty. Well, with more spacefaring nations, of course, but I think we can change that. And I think if we want to revive the Moon Treaty, we need to, we need to first sign it, and then we need to we need to uh, ratify it. That's the first step. We have to question whether we can and want to do that. Mm -hmm. As European member states, I think we can do the first step. The member states have to do that. And we are even checking in general if the EU Commission could sign on EU's behalf treaties as well. Currently, it, there's, we don't do it in general, not with this, but in general. But it could be beneficial to do that in the future. So if we sign the Moon Treaty, we can also continue to develop it. It has already been proven in the UN. It has been discussed in the UN. It has been yeah. worked out in the UN. It has then been even voted in the UN General Assembly. It's not international law because General Assembly is just a resolution, but everybody was fine with it. Nobody was like, ah, this is not going at all. So it is a better basis than the Artemis Accords mm -hmm. because the Artemis Accords was just given by the Americans. There has been no discussion about it. What still is open from the Moon Treaty, and that's why it's interesting, is everything that has to do with the agency. Everything concerning the concrete proposals of if we need 
liabilities, what the security measures are, how to give concessions, and whether you have to pay anything, a, a space tax or anything in this, has not been discussed, has not been decided, and this should be done by the Member States of the Moon Treaty. If we initiate this, I think it will be interesting, because then, once we're talking about concrete matters, I think a lot of people want to join and to talk as well about it. And maybe this is the starting point when we start as Europeans with this could be the turning point where we really get the Russians, the Chinese, the uh, South Koreans, the Indians, the Japanese, and finally also the Americans on board and really bring everybody to the table and discuss how the future of space could and should be. And this is, well, more democracy than we could hope for in this world at the moment. So this is the way that I propose. Sounds like a great idea also to make use of the existing structures, but definitely, as you say, to really concretize them and make them like more graspable, I guess, is very important. I was thinking of proposing something new, but to be honest, why waste five or ten years just to discuss everything for a new proposal that in the end would look a little bit similar to the Moon Treaty anyway, mm -hmm. if you can just say, sign what's already there? Sounds logical, definitely. <laughs> But now I'm curious because the, the space sector has seen a shift from being more state-run to more company-run. How do you see this development progressing and, and how does that weigh out on these decisions and rules? No, I think it's good. I think it's we can't stop it anyway. And also this benefits uh, the, the state or institutionalized uh, spacefaring anyway. If we reduce the cost for launches and for satellites... This also benefits, of course, the researchers and everything that we gain from it. So we should encourage it in a certain way. I don't want to have too much waste in orbit. This is why we need to talk about space debris and about sustainability also in space. But I think we should encourage it. But as in every market, which are private driven, the rules come from the society. The rules we decide as society. You know, most companies are mini dictatorships in, in the market, right? It's, the CEO says we're going this direction and then they'll go this direction. There's no democracy. That's why we need democratic structures from the state. Those are the rule set. This is the level playing field, as you want to, as some want to call it. And then the companies can act accordingly to that. Okay. Now, you mentioned space sustainability. And I'm just curious because listening to a lot of talks and reading some articles, the view is mostly on how does space contribute to Earth's sustainability or how does space contribute to climate change? But now you also mentioned space debris as being an issue. So do you see that there is a dialogue also about the sustainability in space that is prevalent? Or is it more space to Earth? I think both, because we have always to a reason why we're using space and we're using a lot of resources when we're doing when we're shooting satellites up and using them continuously. And we have to reason why we're doing that. And fast internet might be nice, you know, satellite TV, yeah, that's cool. A little bit GPS for has a lot of reasons for that. But it's always like we don't absolutely need it. It's a little bit luxury, right? Whereas everything that has to do with research for sustainability, I think, is absolutely crucial for the world. We need to understand how climate change works, how floods work, how catastrophes work and what comes out of that and how to tackle them. And therefore, this is an absolute necessity that we have this Earth observation in regard to sustainability. That being the one part. The other one is sustainability in space is getting more and more important because of the dangers that we have. And what would be the most dangerous outcome is, of course, the unusability of space in general. 
And to avoid that, we need to have sustainability. It's basically the same as with the Earth. Once we kill the climate completely, then it's unusable at all. And the same is true for space. But with some certain measures, I think we can really work with it and we can work of the benefits that we have from space, from the privatization of space, from use of more satellites and launches in general, as well as being sustainable also for the future. And for that, with the STM proposal, all the discussion last year already about the STM, for example, the proposal from the ESA for a cleaner space and cleaner sky, I think that really shows that this is something where there's a certain shift in regards to sustainability in space. And it also could be the start. You know, the Europeans are really going starting here mm -hmm. and hopefully it will continue to tackle other fields as well that we see from all states really, first of all, sustainability reasons for building satellites so that they can come down safely, that they don't destroy also, you know, that they completely destroy, they don't waste any more space, but also when they are destroyed, evaporates in the atmosphere, that they don't have any toxic materials in them that could hurt people on the earth as well. And so I'm very uplifted by that, the things that we see. And maybe we will see a race not to, you know, show each other how good we can shoot down satellites, but instead show how good we can clean the orbits of space debris. That's really the biggest challenge. I mean, who can do that really prove that they're good spacefarers? Well, yeah, I hope that that's the next competition because that would be ideal. Now, Thank you so much for your time. I just have one final question, because tomorrow we see the begin of the 14th EU Space Conference. And now we've covered a lot of ground talking about space, space strategies and governance and sustainability. What are your hopeful outcomes from the space conference? I'm very interested to meet the whole scene again. You know, it's always this. these meetings are rare, especially during the times of COVID. And it's very good to talk to different actors and players in this field. I'm very interested to hear what little bit interested to hear the new uh, position of the new German government. I already, of course, know in which direction we're going, but I'm really interested to see Anna Christmann on stage and how the people will react to her and see the discussion re revolving around that. I think that there's a new era in a certain way for uh, German spacefaring as well, as you might have seen already in the coalition contract, that there is a change of perspective. And then I'm, of course, very interested was what we'll hear, especially from the Commission and from ESA, as you know, a little bit of foreshadowing for the proposals that will come within the next week. So I think since that's the closest, I think that's the, the two places to watch the most. What are the proposals? What, we, what can we see that ESA might propose and might have in the end really as projects? And from Commission's side, in which direction there are two proposals for the STM as well as for the uh, Space uh, Secure Connectivity Initiative will go. I think that will be very interesting. And other than that, really meeting again people and having chats over a glass of orange juice or something like that, I think is always great. So I'm really, really happy for tomorrow. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. Thank you so much for your time and for answering my questions. Sure. Thank you very much. Thank you all very much for listening to our Space Cafe radio. I'm Kara, Event Coordinator at Spacewatch Global. And with that, I leave you for today. And don't forget, become a Spacewatcher. Bye!